Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Oraculos Truth of Nation podcast, where I bring you ancient wisdom for the modern mystic. I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, and joining me this evening, all the way from the other side of the world, is Mr. Alan Okin. Alan, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Now, Alan, you and I, we have quite a bit to dive into this evening, and a big part of it is your own journey into astrology and what that was like back in the 60s and the 70s when astrology was really making a foothold in the world once again. But before we get there, for those of you who this is your first time tuning into the Oraculous Truth of a Nation podcast, this is a podcast where I bring you interviews from astrologers all around the world who aren't just changing their own lives through their astrological practice, but they're also actively impacting and changing the landscape of this astrology that we know and love. So if you want to be a part of the magic and the momentum that we're building here on the Oraculous Truth of a Nation podcast, take a moment, go down below, hit the subscribe button, and also hit the notification bell so that you can receive notifications of when I bring you these podcasts each and every week. Now, Alan, from the bottom of my heart, I need for you to know that this is truly an honor for me to be here and to sit here with you because I came across your work during my first year in university. I was, I think, 16 years old, and I was in journalism school. And somewhere between studying journalism and practicing astrology, I came across your book, which I have in my hands today, which is Alan Oaken's Complete Astrology, The Classic Guide to Modern astrology and i was so thrilled and so excited to have found it and i just love the way in which it was a melting pot for so many different streams of astrology that i was interested in at the time your book was really and truly the complete guide to bringing all of that together so i just want to say before we even begin thank you so much for your contribution to astrology because you have single-handedly ushered generations of astrologers into this field well, I'm an Aries, you know, that's our job. We open doors. <laughs> well, I am super grateful to be sitting here with you. And I'm also super grateful for your contribution. But before we really dive into the content of the book, I want for you to tell us a little bit about your story, Alan, and how it is you came into astrology during a time when astrology still hadn't fully grasped the hearts of people in the way that it has today. What was it like being there in the heyday of astrology's reawakening? It was rather exciting because you had predominantly two cultures that you were dealing with. You were dealing with the hip, um, um, psychedelically aware, made aware a generation of, of us young people in the 60s and 70s who were transcendental in our frame of reference, which was absolutely remarkable because uh, we came out of the 1950s when things were rather black and white. It was, uh, you know, it was a women wearing high heels around the house and, and men wearing jackets and ties when they sat down to lunch in their own living rooms. You couldn't have long hair and, and everything that went along with that. So when we, we got together, us young folks, during that time, we, we oriented ourselves to um, a, a spiritual rather than religious life orientation to um, a love-in where we were accepting everybody and everybody around us was accepting us. Um, it made for a culture within the larger American culture, which was very protective and safe. And um, when I went out into the so-called straight world, which was not, nothing to do with, with sexuality, when I went out to the relative straight world and people would ask me what you do, I would say I'm a writer or I would say, um, mm, 
at the time I also taught foreign languages. So I'd say I'm a French teacher. I mean, I wouldn't say I was an astrologer because then people go Ooh, like this. <laughs> so, but amongst my friends, it was absolutely fabulous, wonderful. And uh, to be an astrologer was pretty cool, you know. So that started in 1967 is when I first came into astrology. Up to that point, I was taking a PhD in Portuguese and Spanish and European linguistics. Uh, so I learned to speak a transcendental language, if you please. So how exactly did you get into astrology and did you get into it by way of a teacher or yeah. were you self-taught? How, how did that happen for you? Well, I believe that all astrologers are self-taught with help from the outside. I mean, you have to have an inner orientation to the subject matter. What is the inner orientation? Well, on the outside, it is astrology, the science. But on the inside, it's the urge and the ability to see humanity as fields of energy and to be able to understand how those fields of energies are structured and defined and how those fields of energy interplay. And then you do that through a system called astrology, which allows you certain vocabulary you can use to interchange with people in a way which is conversational, because you just can't go, oh, energetics, energetics, and help a person find out when the best <laughs> time to get married is, you know, so, um, um, or someone how to deal with the pain of separation from their parent when they're in early life, and now they're grown up, and they still have that pain. I mean, you, you have to speak to people. So, but, but in terms of my own study, I was oriented to the energetics, and I was able to function on an energetic level. Uh, so I could perceive human archetypes and the archetypes that the planets were representing. And I didn't have to personalize them until I was in a session with someone. And then I could move from the impersonal into the personal. That took quite a number of years to cultivate because otherwise I was just out there too, 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 too abstract. You know? I had right. to learn how to come down. So while still remaining focused. So it took a while, it took training. So um, how I actually got into it is that from uh, when I was about 19, in 1963 in New York, um, the, this, the beginnings of this new, new age was coming about, cultural new age was coming about. And I found myself taking Hatha yoga classes uh, with this wonderful teacher at the time from India named Swami Satchidananda on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And therefore, I was not only with Swamiji and some of his disciples, but also with a group of wonderful young men and women. We were all studying this together. It was great. So then I started to do Hatha yoga, got into vegetarianism and um, uh, breathing and uh, the awareness that there was a higher consciousness that was achievable, not just that I was aware there was it, but there was one, but you could go there. And, um, and then, so I was into that. And then at 23 years of age, you know, fast forward four years, because I'm in that training for four years, you see. So then we fast forward to, to, to 1967, October 24th, about 10, 15 p.m. I'm meditating. And in the meditation, uh, in my mind's eye, a Tibetan Lama appears. And the Tibetan Lama says, um, become an astrologer, my son that will lead you to your path in life. And so I bowed low and, and the next day, I'm Aries, you know, we pick up on these things and we move with them. The next day, I had no money. I mean, we're all living in a commune on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and whoever had money that day gave food to everybody else. That's the way it was. We gave love and you gave food to your friends and that was it. You just kept sharing everything and you shared yourself. It was a beautiful time. And, and um, anyway, um, I said to my friends, um, I'm going home to my mother's house. I called my mother, asked her if I could do it first. I'm going home to my mother's house um, and I'm, um, I'm going to become an astrologer. So, and I remember one lady who I eventually married uh, said to me, Alan, you've taken too much acid. And <laughs> I remember saying that to me very clearly. And the point was that when I got that message from this Tibetan Lama, I was uh, just myself. I was not smoking or taking any psychedelic at all. I was just hanging out in my meditation. 
And so I went back to my mother's house and I asked her to lend me $25, which at the time um, you could buy more than one book with $25. And, <laughs> and I looked up in, in the yellow pages um, where there were astrology bookstores in Manhattan. We lived in a suburb. So then what I did is I actually put on a suit. I had hair <laughs> down to here, you understand. But I put on a suit and a tie. I was going shopping in a bookstore. And, <laughs> bookstore and I wanted to look, you know, as spiffy as possible. And I went from the suburbs into Manhattan. I bought this these books on astrology. And as my hand was going through the shelves to pick out the books, I came across Alan Leo's book, Esoteric Astrology. At the time, of course, my name is Alan, spelt the same way, A-L-A-N. And at the time, I thought I had Leo Rising. I subsequently found out I didn't. But at the time, I thought I had Leo Rising. There's Alan Leo. I said, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I got that book. So I had esoteric astrology theosophy in one hand and practical, this is how you do it mathematically in the other. Because at the time you had to learn the mathematics yourself. There, was no, there were no computers. So you had to really learn trigonometry, geometry, um, uh, logarithm tables. You had to really focus in on the, on the practical mathematical side in order to, to create charts. So then I took my shopping bag of books and I went back to uh, the suburbs. I locked the door and I stayed there for four months. Sounds like a South Korean guy on his computer, right? Just locked the door in there. Like that. And, but I did that and, and it started unfolding. I mean, this whole astrology thing started unfolding. It was like, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I know this. I just didn't know the words for it. Okay, right. Got the words now. Then my friends would call me on the phone and, and, and would say, are you ready to come out? Are you ready to come out? And I would say, no, 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 I need some more time. And finally I came out and I said, okay, I'm going to start reading charts. And I started reading charts at $10 a reading and, <laughs> and, 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 and did that for a while. And people started telling other people, because there weren't many astrologers at the time. So there I am in New York, Manhattan, lugging a, a bag full of books because I needed all these tables and I needed, you know, I, I didn't have just a smartphone, you know, I mean, I had a suitcase that I had, had to schlep around with me, you know. And, and 15 cents for the subway and then on the buses. And I, I just go around New York City reading horoscopes through people wow. at $10 a shot, you know. And I did that and lived in, in Queens and, and in the suburbs. And then I, I was 23, 24 at the time. And, and then um, I managed after about oh, October, November, December, January, February. In four months after that, I had gone up to $25 a reading <laughs> and I managed to save enough money to put a one month down on an apartment in Manhattan. Then it was $135 a month to rent at the time. So, so then, um, and I was living literally from reading to grocery store to mouth and all the time perfecting my, my skills. I got a job as a translator for a rock and roll group um, at the time, very famous, called the Young Rascals. It was a very famous group in the late 60s, early 70s. And I went into uh, the, to supplement my income, I would go into the recording studios and I would teach the, not only that group, but other groups, phonetics, how to sing in Italian, French, and Spanish. And then I would get a fee for the translation and that plus the astrology, it helped me to live. Yeah, um, basically, but it helped me to live. And then I got a job for a rock and roll magazine that was connected to the fact that I was working with rock and roll bands as a translator. So then I got a job with a rock and roll magazine to write their monthly astrology column, see? And then somehow after that, I got picked up by the PBS station in New York, Channel 13, and they asked me if I, they had read my articles in the rock and roll magazine, and they asked me if I would come on TV and talk about astrology. And I was on for, I don't know, seven, eight episodes. I was on their astrologer on, the, on Channel 13 in New York. I was on seven, eight episodes, whatever. That, I got picked up by Bantam Books, which at the time was an incredibly huge, major publishing company. And they wanted me to do a trilogy of books 
on astrology. And I went, oh, that's really (laughs) cool. And uh, before that, I had gotten a job working, uh, doing monthly articles for a horoscope magazine. And they put out a book of mine. I call it my baby book, and, and, but that was my first book. And then Bantam gave me a contract. By that time, I had gotten married and had a baby. So now I was really committed to life, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, now I really had to work my butt off, right? And um, I, so then I was traveling and teaching, and oh, it just kept going on and on. I'm a very, very busy man. And I was picked up by this major company with big office on Fifth Avenue in, uh, it must have been in 1969 or 19, 1971 it was, because my son was a year old. So 1971. And um, they wanted me to head up the first computerized astrology program to be distributed in the world. The first computerized, it was called Aquariscope. And um, I was um, 28, 29 years old. Uh, 27, 28 in there. And I was to gather a group of astrologers to write up the program. And then they connected me to this insurance company in Atlanta, Georgia, which would transfer the data into computer programs. So I was commuting between Atlanta, Georgia and New York, um, uh, getting the astrologers together to write the material, then going down to program it in Atlanta, Georgia. At 27, at yeah, 27 years old, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I was on a, a, a railroad, you know. I mean, I was picked up. I was told what to do by, by this master whose work I came into uh, very strongly in, 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 in named Dual Kool and the Alice Bailey material, Tibetan master Dual Kool. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying Dual Kool visited me. I'm saying that the image of a Tibetan Lama appeared in my mind's eye and told me what to do. I'm not a channel, you know. But that was my initial hit. And then, um, so then that was uh, put out in Grand Central Station in Manhattan, that they had this booth in Grand Central Station. And I don't think, I don't know what it was, a 699 or whatever it was, you could get your horoscope done on computer. And this um, uh, um, a company had 250 outlets around the United States because they owned record shops. So, so they, in every record shop, they were going to put one of these astrology booths. And I owned a percentage of the company. And I said, oh, well, now, isn't that lovely? I have a new baby and I'm 27, 28 years old. And I have some security for my family and for myself. And how nice. Well, it took six months. The company went bust. And, and, that, <laughs> and, and that was the end of that. <laughs> so in any event, I kept writing books. I've written about, I wrote that book, Alan Oakland's Complete Astrology, but I've written about 10 or 12 books on astrology. And I just kept working I got to a place in Manhattan where I was the astrologer to millionaires and that wanted to set me up in business on Park Avenue. And this is a true story. Wanted to set me up in business on Park Avenue and have me become a conspicuous guest at various parties and functions where I would take people aside, not charge them because I was getting paid. And I'd be a conspicuous guest at fancy parties and all that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do this because I'll wind up drinking. I'll wind up taking drugs. I'll wind up having to support people, fame and fantasy lives. I don't want fame and fantasy life. I want real spiritual life. I want to be with real people. Hello. And, and, um, and my wife at the time, five planets in Taurus in the first house, she said, get me out of New York City. Let's go to the country. <laughs> Let, let's, get, let's raise a child in the country. So with every penny I had, I bought a, a Volvo station wagon, lemon color. It was a real lemon, too. <laughs> and, and we drove to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where we went on food stamps and she worked in a record store of all places. <laughs> and I just kept on doing my astrology until um, I broke out. I became rather well known. Uh, I started doing, inter- I speak a lot of languages. So I started doing international tours where I could teach in the language of the people. I uh, started 
there were no emails, so you were, references were by telephone, you were on the phone, you had little cassettes you were pressing to make recordings of people. <laughs> and um, after a while, I became quite successful. But it, it took about, I started at 23, I would say, I didn't really come into a sense of success until I was about 45 years old. So it was, you know, 20 years of plugging and all the while, I'm speaking on the material plane because I want our listeners to know that I didn't live in an ivory tower with daddy giving me a, a credit card. I worked, I worked, and I'm still working, although I don't need the money right now, but I still work. Um, and the work that I do is to help raise consciousness. The work that I do is to help heal people. And at this stage of life, I'm incredibly connected, believe it or not, to China. I have a 60-week course with 150 people signed up for a 60-week course and two Chinese translators. And I do it all online. And these Chinese folks are wonderful. They call me Teacher Alan. They're so polite. And so not only do I do my own international in English webinar broadcasts to everybody, but 50% of all my clients and 50% of all my students are Chinese. And this is wonderful because it allows me to bring to China the ancient wisdom teachings. It allows me to translate the my, one of my translators, to translate the great invocation into Chinese and disseminate that. It allows me to speak about the union of the Buddha and the Christ in the East and the West within the framework of we're all one and that I am just like you and you are just like me. Um, you know, I'm a 60s kid. And, and um, I'm able to, at my age, I'm 76 now, I have a vibrant teaching life. I have a vibrant life as an astrologer. I, 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 I really am so grateful to China. Never mind politics. Let's talk about right. love. How do you do? And I'm able to infuse love wisdom into that culture. A droplet, a droplet. But it's better than no drops at all. Yeah. And um, so right now, I'm a pretty busy guy, have been for quite a while now, working with my Chinese students and clients, and also my international students and clients. I live in Bali, Indonesia, where um, the internet is fabulous. <laughs> and um, I have, you know, Zoom and Skype and you name it. And I'm, I live with a millennial, so who's can press a button because I don't know how to press these buttons <laughs> and, and who can press the buttons for me. So I stay in contact and um, yeah. So there we are. That's up to date. <laughs> Alan, your story is truly incredible. And I love the fact that it started for you through a yoga practice because I have been a yoga practitioner for just about as long as I've been an astrologer, which was around the age of 12 years old that's when i came into everything astrology yoga tarot spirituality are you now <laughs> i'm 28 years old there we go saturn return on the horizon hurrah saturn and aquarius on the horizon <laughs> yeah it's it's right around the corner uh but but alan i'm 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 super thrilled to hear your story because i think that it's really important for people to hear the stories of astrologers who came up and who brought themselves up during periods of time when there was no major access to the rest of the world like we have today. And I think it's so amazing that throughout the course of your 20s, you were able to create such a strong professional presence for yourself within the world as an astrologer. Because, I mean, today, me saying I'm an astrologer, it's still seen as being odd to a lot of people even though astrology has made these leaps and bounds towards establishing itself as a profession so i can only imagine what that experience was like for you essentially blazing a trail for yourself back in the 60s when there weren't that many astrologers around and functioning 
Uh, it was a lot of fun, actually. I mean, I have Scorpio rising, so I don't mind being a bit secretive about things, you know. <laughs> um, but there was a bond between uh, the other young astrologers and myself. And then I was able to find old astrologers, astrologers who were in their 70s at the time, 70s and 80s. And I could sit with them and they would recognize that I was sincere and they would teach me. So not only was I teaching myself, because you have to be autodidactic, you have to teach yourself, and, and, and there has to be an alignment to a higher energy field so that you, you can be lifted up in some way and be objective to the energies around you. That's essential. I, you have to create a mental periscope so that you are lovingly detached and you can be observant all the time. Even now, I'm watching me speak to you, I'm watching you speak to me. I'm not judging, I'm watching. So keeping that objective awareness is absolutely essential uh, for spiritual growth and, and comes with spiritual growth. Um, but um, it was a time when not only could I be autodidactic and be in meditation to receive, but I had these old men and women who had been astrologers for as long as I'm an astrologer now and who could teach me certain methodologies, techniques, and approaches, and they did. So I was very blessed. I was really blessed. I was blessed to be with Isabel Hickey. I was blessed to be with Isabel Hickey for five years. Um, um, well, I could mention a lot of names, but, but I'm not going to do that. But, uh, but I, the, the spiritual, astrological spiritual mother I had for many years, well, five years until she passed away, was Isabel Hickey. And wow. she, Isabel was incredible, wonderful. So, Alan, what I hear you saying when you speak about astrology is I hear you framing astrology in a larger spiritual context. So what I think would be brilliant for me and also for our listeners and viewers is for you to lay out what your definition of astrology is after your lifetime of astrological practice. What is astrology? I will quote my teacher, uh, and then I'll give you my own view. Uh, very simply, astrology is the science of effective energies. How energies move and affect, affect behavior and, and, and reflect behavior. Um, as above, so below, you know. Um, so to me, we're looking at reflective mirrors that are working on several levels of consciousness, several levels of manifestation simultaneously. This is why having an objective stance in higher mind is very important because I'll give you an example of, of a no-no. I just received a request from a pregnant woman for a reading about her child. I answered the lady, well, I'll have to wait for your child to be born in order to read the, something about your child and then compare your horoscope with your child's horoscope so you can understand. And she wrote back, no, no, no. I just went to an astrologer who I have Saturn in Scorpio in the fifth house, and the astrologer told me that my child would be a karmic debt. And now she's sitting there with a the seven-month belly. And she said, and now I'm very nervous because I know my child is an angel. But inside of me, I'm so nervous and upset because of what this astrologer told me. Can you help me, please? So I'm going to do what I can to help this lady to undo the damage of someone who calls him or herself an astrologer. And how dare you tell a seven-month pregnant woman that the baby you're carrying is a karmic debt? And uh, this, is, this is damaging, you see, very, very damaging. So I have to go in there and listen. If you've ever had children, all children are cosmic debts. <laughs> <laughs> you little bastard, you're a cosmic <laughs> debt. <Boom. laughs> what do I owe you? You know, well, I owe you at least some food and an education. Yeah. So... I have to reframe it so that we're all related karmically. And so that's um, my definition of astrology is to try to use this system to help a person become more whole. In order to do that, 
I have an obligation not to say stupid things like this, but to function on a level of perception which is objectively energetic so I can see the energies at work. And then with the compassionate heart, come into a person's life and help them as best as you can. I'm not a psychologist. You see people that are in need of psychotherapy. So what you do is you explain very gently that there are certain therapeutic dynamics required in their life. I'm not capable of doing that. I'm not a psychotherapist, but I see that this is a good time for therapy. Uh, let me recommend so-and-so to you. Um, here's some kind of training you can take. Uh, in other words, to have the good sense to know that you can't be everything to everybody, but you can be a guide and, and listen, we're, we're specialists in calendars. So you can tell a person when the best time is to do something and when the time not to do something can be. Uh, you cannot set yourself up as a psychotherapist unless you happen to be an astrologer who is a psychotherapist because a lot, not a lot, but a number of people who come to you, to an astrologer, really should be seeing the psychologist. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think, I don't know, I'm happy to go on chatting away. I have Moon and Gemini, but um, <laughs> uh, do you My need more my moon is in Gemini. <laughs> Let us talk. <laughs> but uh, my dear Michael, do, do you need a more definition about that uh, from me? Well, I think that you explained that beautifully. And I think what I'm really interested in knowing is where do you see astrology being most beneficial because I I too believe in astrology as a healing practice but we have astrology that can very well speak to physical level manifestations of things within people's lives and then we also have astrology that speaks to more emotional or psychological things within people's lives and then we also have spiritual astrology that speaks to something that's even above and beyond that so at what level do you think astrologers should be practicing within this field that covers all aspects of our humanity is your butt in a chair <laughs> are, um, uh, are your feet on the ground? Uh, you got to ground your stuff. Uh, you know, I understand very clearly that my physical organism is to my being what the tip of the light bulb is to the light bulb, but it's plugged into the physical life. I have an obligation to the physical life. Even the monks who are meditating in their caves uh, for three years, three months, and three days, God bless them, they are also praying for the goodwill of humanity and for the well-being of humanity. The nuns and monks in monasteries and convents are asking for grace to come into the soul of humanity. You, you, this is a non-sacred planet. It's obvious it's a non-sacred planet. Now, I'm a student of history, a serious student of history, and um, I don't know when it's not been a non-sacred planet. Even when humans weren't here, there were dinosaurs gobbling each other. So um, our job is to bring light into the mud, and in order to do that, you don't identify with the mud, but you have to identify the mud. You identify with light, and you respect the mud, and you, you bring it down. And unless you're anchored yourself, you don't stand the chance. Then you're one of those California crystal ladies that are going, woo, 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 woo. And, <laughs> you know, reminds me of a story. Um, uh, uh, I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Well, I'm born and raised in New York, but I, my middle years were spent uh, based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, exquisite city, exquisite town, wonderful, wonderful place. And I was with my best friend, and we were in a cafe. And the owner of the cafe was one of these California crystal ladies. She was a woo-woo. <laughs> but, but, the, but the cafe itself was a lovely place to go, you know, and it had an outdoor garden and blah, 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 blah. So we would go in there. And my, my friend was very well-known in Santa Fe. I was very well-known in Santa Fe. Small town, big fish, small town. 
So, so we peeked in to see if she was not there because if she was there, she would immediately swim into us. So we looked and said, ah, oh, good, she's not there. Let's go in the cafe. So now as we're leaving, she comes out and she's all a flutter and naturally. And she goes over to my friend Artemis and she says, Artemis, do you know I can cure AIDS and I can cure cancer? And, and Artemis looks at her and he says, straight faced, oh, Mary, that's wonderful. The next time I have a fatal disease, I'll call you. <laughs> and she was so lost that she just smiled. She didn't even get the irony of where he was coming from. We paid our bill and we left and that was a good time for all. But what I'm saying is that I believe that young astrologers like yourselves today, from whatever I see, you guys are good guys. I mean, you guys have a respect for astrology. You have to work for a living, so you're very aware of the physical plane. Um, um, there are people like um, uh, Chris. Um, mm -hmm. oh, Chris uh, what's Brennan. Brennan. Yeah, I love that guy. Love that guy. Uh, surface cool as an icicle, inside passionate, passionate, and and brilliant, <laughs> and um, and, uh, and and Clifford uh, in London. I mean, Frank, brilliant, Frank, Frank, Frank Clifford. Yeah, forty something years old, brilliant, and uh, you know there are there there are a number of forty under, forty five and under, but people. 25 to 40 who are very into astrology from a place where they have inherited from us elders where where you guys have a respect for the astrological traditions 20th century astrology from 1960 uh, from rudyard's work onward uh into 2000 or so in that 40 years mark edmund jones incredible astrological treasures that you guys are studying and that you and I was privileged to know these people personally and and to sit with them and to share with them and and so you guys have, have picked up on this tradition I find you guys very respectful of the tradition and now that you have podcasts available to you like Chris does and like you do and, and you guys are millennials so you know how to press the buttons um, <laughs> you can easily get this information out I'm that's why I'm here with you today Michael because I'm totally supportive of your generation and of your personal efforts and what you're seeking to do in your community of contacts and um, I think the young astrologers have inherited a beautiful treasury from us and uh, my contemporaries, and I'm, I feel safe and happy passing it on because it's moving into correct hands. And I think the movement from 20th century astrology to 21st century astrology is beautiful and, um, and fluid. And uh, yeah, it, it's cool. It's really working. Well, thank you so much for acknowledging that because there are definitely a lot of young astrologers who are picking up this mantle of the ancients and who's also picking up this mantle of you as our astrological forebears to charge forward into the world and create a better world that gives greater amounts of respect to astrology. And a lot of that is only because of the contribution that you've made within your own life and the sacrifices that you've made to your love of astrology within your own life that has even allowed us to be able to come into a world where astrology is known by the masses. So, I mean, thank you for your acknowledgement. You're most welcome. You know, I'm blessed. I really am blessed. I'm blessed because all my life I've had good health, number one. Uh, number two, I'm blessed uh, because I have a mystical sense of unity with higher self and with inner guidance. I'm blessed because I came from a generation of a hippie culture where we learned how to love one another regardless of gender, uh, sexual orientation, race, or age. We learned to love one another, and we showed that in everyday actions and in everyday hugs. That conditioned my frame of reference to humanity, being born in that generation, in that time. So that was a blessing. And I have to say, 
I gained a great deal at the time from LSD. And it has been 40 years since I've taken any other substance because, any, any substance, because the last time I took LSD, it gave me a great gift. I took the LSD 40 years ago, and it said, don't take this anymore. You're now higher than where this can bring you. If you continue, you will go down. I said, yes, thank you. It was my last trip. With that, it's not been my last trip. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not telling young people to take LSD because it's, it came at a time where being with people was safe where there was a safety zone with brothers and sisters who would hold you and guide you. Um, uh, it was a softer collective energy. Today, energy collective is so harsh. It's so difficult. And when you take these substances, you go out into this collective energy field. So I, I, I'm just responding to your request to tell about my background mm. and the fact that I don't hide anything. Why should I? But I have to qualify. I'm from another generation and in another time. Then I was blessed by that substance telling me, that's it, kid, you're finished. And me having the wisdom to say, yes, thank you. All of these chemical dynamics of and I just don't mean physical chemical, I mean spiritual chemical, such as meditation, such as having a teacher, such as dedicating myself to studying the wisdom teachings, studying the wisdom teachings, and, uh, working hard, ceaselessly working hard, and still stopping to have fun with dear ones and my grandchildren and whatever. Uh, dedication, dedication. So... Another question, Alan, that I want to ask you is how important do you think it is for the astrologers of today to have a spiritual background behind them in their astrological practice? It doesn't hurt, Michael. Um, people confuse spirituality with religion. I find most religions limiting. Um, I find spirituality liberating. Um, I find my ability to accept Lord Jesus and my ability to accept Lord, Lord Buddha and my acknowledgement of Adonai Eloheinu, there is only one Lord, my ability to say prayers to the Blessed Mother in any of her forms, Mary and Lakshmi and in many of her forms, but not be limited in the forms in which I worship the Holy Mother, uh, which is connected to a deep respect for the female. And um, even on my meditation table, I have an, an image um, of uh, Ganesha, and I give thanks to the gods and goddesses of Bali. This is a Hindu island. And I give thanks in the Balinese language to the Balinese gods and goddesses because they're part of the one also. So for me, if I were religious, it would be sacrilegious to do more than one of those. But because I'm spiritual, I can do all of them as long as I remember the key to spiritual understanding for me is that it's all one. We are all one. Universum one whirling universe. And within that, we all live and breathe and have our being. As I move to the end of my life, which I hope won't be for quite a while, but as I move to the end of my life, I'm 76 now, um, this has given me a sense of peaceful orientation to the next phase, this sense of spirituality and gives me a sense of correct responsibility to those for whom I read and teach. Believe me, Oaken has an ego, but that ego is under the direction of my higher self. That took years to put into place, and that's where spirituality counts. Plus, to tell you the truth, um, call me Neptunian if you will, but... <laughs> I love the feeling of grace, Michael. 
I love the feeling of moving into prayer and having this energy of grace descend upon me and go, ooh, thank you. Ooh. So scientists will say, oh, that's just a nerve in your brain. But, <laughs> but I don't care. It's the nerve that's being triggered by something else. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. So yes, I think that whether we're astrologers or wait people in restaurants or fire chiefs or whatever we are, having a spiritual connection is vital. You make, you're never cruel. You're never cruel because to me, the quality of that spiritual dispensation is love and wisdom. And when I screw up, there's a part of me that never screws up. There's a part of me that is vigilantly aware. Oh, hmm, part of him just screwed up. Let us pull him back into his center and let him come back to wholeness again. And so that's what I do. Whenever I freak out about anything, I'm, I'm quick, quick to recognize my center and move back into it. There'll be a time I don't know if it'll be this incarnation or not, when I'll never have to do that. I'll never be off of my center. But right now, this is a work in training. This is a work in process still. Oh, I feel like I have just taken a deep drink from a very deep well, and I feel satiated and I feel full and I'm really so grateful for you sharing your wisdom here with me this evening. And I know it's morning for you, but for you holding this sacred space and time to hold the space and to share from the well of your own experiences, I'm, I'm really deeply honored because I too come from a very strong spiritual background. But I think that oftentimes in order to appear more upright or in order to appear more on the straight and narrow and academic, there is a tendency to forget spirituality and to really try to appear like you know your stuff. But I think that what you're saying is that we always have to recalibrate ourselves back to the essence. And That's um, correct. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah, yeah. You know, finding your way home is key. If I may say, the culture that you live in is rather strict. It's rather orthodox Christian. It's rather strict. You, you can't move too far to the left or right in the culture in which you live in the Bahamas and not get socially censured for wrong activity. So for you to be aware of the social dynamics, respect them, and still be who you are, mm, that's pretty cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for seeing that and thank you for acknowledging that because I definitely moved through my entire childhood um, completely holding on to this flame of astrology and mysticism and magic within my life and when I look back on that and I see all of the influences of living in the Bahamas, which is a very orthodox Christian place, and then going to university in Jamaica, which is an even more orthodox Christian place, it's, it, it's really a, a wonder that I've been able to hold on to astrology all these years and not be sucked into the fabric of orthodoxy. And once again, I had this book with me in university when I was 16 years old. And I think it really made a difference being able to have you as a touchstone for astrology within my life, as well as so many other astrological authors I was reading and learning from. Have you looked at soul-centered astrology, my, uh, uh, my book on esoteric astrology? I haven't seen it yet. I, I know that you wrote it and I've seen it on Amazon, but I haven't gotten the copy as yet. Well, if I had an extra copy here, I would mail it to you, my friend, but I don't. So, <laughs> but when you're ready, it would be nice for you to take a look at it, especially the first hundred pages. Will do. I definitely will. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Alan, please tell our listeners and viewers how they can get in contact with you if they want to reach out to you for a reading, if they want to learn from you. Mm, thank you. How can people connect with you? Well, uh, alanoken.com. I mean, that's my website, alanoken.com. And I have a list of, of webinars and, and seminars and lectures that are pre-recorded and that are available on sale on my web store, as it's called. And um, also there, there is um, a consultations tab so that if people want to have a reading with me, the, the information is there. So it's just alanoken.com. It's simple. Awesome. So may I, may I ask you a question, Michael? Please, please do. Is there a community of young people who are like yourselves that have this orientation to astrology and to the occult sciences living in your immediate area? Uh, you know, uh, a thing with being in this part of the world is that the communities that I've wanted to be a part of, I've had to create them. So there is a small community here of my own students and colleagues who I've trained and taught to a large degree everything that I know so that I can have other people in my immediate environs to communicate with and talk with and share astrological space with. But truthfully, before I came back home, there wasn't this sort of embodied approach to astrology. And, and no, no, actually. Well, then, you are a point of light. And, and um, God bless you, my son. And I wish you every happiness. And let your light shine. Let it continue to shine. And I thank you for this interview. Thank you so much, Alan Oaken, for sharing this space with me. It has really been a transformational experience into my own spirituality and into my own healing. And I'm so very grateful for you taking this time out to be here with me today. So thank you so much. Most welcome. Most welcome. And to our listeners and viewers out there, whether or not this is your hundredth episode of the Oraculous Truth of Nation podcast, or if this is episode number one, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for also sharing this space with us. I receive your feedback. I receive your love. I receive your comments. And most of all, I receive your encouragement. So if you love and support the work that we're doing here on the Oraculous Truth of Nation podcast, please do like this video, but also subscribe to the Oraculous Truth of Nation podcast so that you can continue to receive these wonderful interviews and these touchstones of power and presence and healing within astrology that I try to bring you with these phenomenal astrologers from around the world. So until next time, be well, be safe. I love you and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Alan Oaken. Yeah. Yeah, Michael. You go forward, my friend. Thank you so much for everything.